There was a minister that was caught several years ago. Well, it's been a long time ago, but it's his name was Jim Baker, and he was embezzling money from the church, a PTL club, I believe. I forget the name of that. But anyway, and sex scandals. And, and anyway, he was caught and sentenced to 45 years in prison. I don't know if he served all that time or not. But anyway, later on, he wrote a book entitled I Was Wrong. Now, I don't know if you realize, and we're talking about how to begin a relationship with God without church and religion, and we're talking about why the religion that we often see, you know, Christianity, why it has not made a greater impact on the morality of our nation. That's the issue that we're dealing with today. I think one of the reasons why religion has not made a greater impact on America is because of this three words here, the title to Jim Baker's book, and that is, I was wrong. You know, there's a lot of misunderstanding about love and relationship. Just what does it mean to love God? What does it mean to be in a relationship with God? A lot of people start their relationship with God by with the assumption that I am unconditionally loved. They build it on that premises that I am unconditionally loved. Now, it is true. Uh, John 3 and verse 16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So the idea of, of I am unconditionally loved by God is a powerful reality that we can trust in. But he gave us his son to die in our place because of our sins. God didn't die for us, give his son for us because we are so lovable. No, that's not the reason. He died for us because he didn't want to see us self-destruct in our sins. So a relationship with God doesn't start with knowing that you are unconditionally loved. And I think a lot of people think that it does. That's where the relationship starts at. In other words, you have people who obviously are, their lives do not reflect the fruit of a true Christian. They may be living in sin. They may be living a life void of any type of morality, And yet they believe they are unconditionally loved by God, regardless of what they do, regardless of what the type of life they're living, regardless of anything. They just believe that they are unconditionally loved. But what I'm saying is a relationship with God doesn't start with knowing I am unconditionally loved. It starts with three words. I was wrong. Is That Really in the Bible presents the teaching ministry of David Freeman. You know, if we think about what is the one thing that God desires from us all, especially when it comes to a new beginning, especially when it comes to turning our nation around, especially when we talk about, okay, how do we make a return back to God as a nation? A new beginning. Well, there's three words that God wants to hear from you, and the three words are not, I love you. 
That's not what God wants to hear. The three words that God wants to hear is, I was wrong. And you got to understand what a breath of fresh air this is, because it seems that most people are not able to, and especially Christians, they don't even feel the need for this, these three words. You know, I was listening to a call to worship service at a particular church, and it begins by saying, the choir stands up and sings, we thank you, Lord, for saving, for saving my soul. We thank you, Lord, for making me whole. We thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation so rich and free. I mean, I'm surprised they don't sing, I'm doing so well, I'll never go to hell. And I started thinking about, okay, that's great. But where is there any room in that way of thinking to even admit that I was wrong? Is it even necessary to admit once you have that kind of thinking? Is it even necessary to admit that you're wrong? Now, here's the thing. You you cannot, a relationship with God cannot work until you admit, first and foremost, I was wrong. Now, why is this so hard to admit? And I think it's harder for religious people than all others because they have this concept of, okay, I'm saved, I'm sanctified, I'm justified, I'm heaven bound, I'm made right, uh, once saved, always saved. And it makes it impossible for them to even admit to God, I was wrong. And it's a strange thing that it seems that what it takes to admit this is to hit rock bottom, such as the example that I gave earlier of Jim Baker. I mean, look at what he had to go through to come to this point to say I was wrong. He had to hit rock bottom. Now, maybe we could save ourselves a lot of pain and suffering if we could just learn to admit more on a regular basis, hey, I was wrong. Instead of trusting a theology that says, oh, no, you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about that at all. I thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. I thank you, Lord, for making me whole. I thank you, Lord, for giving me thy great salvation so rich and free. And instead of developing a theology that just says, I don't have to worry about a thing. I have to worry about nothing. And you can't even come to a point periodically on a regular routine where you say, hey, man, I'm wrong. Hey, God, I'm wrong. You know, you know the story of Adam and Eve. I don't have to repeat that for you. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves. Have you ever asked the question, why? Why, after they had sinned, why couldn't Adam just say, hey, Oh, God, I was wrong. Why couldn't he do it? Why? Instead, they hid themselves. They're running from God. And I'm telling you, a man's been running from God ever since. Now, let's consider some things right here. Husbands, are, is it possible for you to admit to your wife that you are wrong? Wives, is it possible for you to admit to your husband that you are wrong? Have you ever done that? Later on in Genesis, it says, And the man said, the woman you gave me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. Why? Why couldn't, why couldn't he just say, no, I did it and I was wrong. Why? Why is this so hard? And the woman said, 
The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Why? Why is this? Why didn't she just say, look, no, 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 no. I did it, and I was wrong. Wow, you know, you look at this, and there's no difference in the sexes, is it? Now, we both have this problem. And I would say especially religious people have this problem. It's harder for religious people because of their theology. Hey, I'm saved, I'm sanctified, I'm justified, I'm heaven-bound, I'm made right, I'm once saved, always saved. I don't have to worry about this problem of being wrong. It makes it impossible for them to even admit, God, I was wrong. Now, on top of all that, if that weren't bad enough, what I call a dead theology, if that weren't bad enough that we're, we're hearing at church, okay, don't you worry about admitting your, you know, you come here and it's a pep rally just to make you feel good about yourself, that you're not really wrong, you're right in God's eyes. And you can't even admit that you're wrong. No need to. Now, on top of all that, our world teaches us a certain way to think, and it's sort of what I call positive thinking. Never think ill of yourself. Always think the best of everything you do. Now, the danger of positive thinking is that it leads to what I call the lack of self-evaluation. Every decision that some people make is right in their own eyes. Have you ever noticed that? In fact, a lot of people fit into this category. That everything, everything they do, every decision that they make is right in their own eyes. In fact, if that sounds familiar, there's a reason why. Proverbs 21 and verse 2 says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord ponders the heart. And you know, it's a strange thing that, you know, you had this little story of Jesus where Luke 18 and verse 11, the Pharisees stood up and prayed and said, God, I thank you that I'm not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Now, I want to tell you something. You don't have to be a Pharisee to be self-righteous. You don't even have to be religious to be self-righteous. Just believe that everything that you are now doing is right. Never evaluate yourself. Never second-guess yourself. Never think ill of yourself. Always think the best about everything that you do and every decision that you make. And you will be a modern-day Pharisee from hell. Now I want to look at a man. His name is David. When Nathan the prophet came to him after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba, Psalms 51 and verse 1, David says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sins. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. You know, there's a reason David was called a man after God's own heart. Do you know why David was called a man after God's own heart? Because David, like a little child, could say, you know, he could just openly say, I was wrong. He didn't have a problem with it, like a lot of religious people have, a problem with admitting that they're wrong. You know, the history of mankind would be different if it had been David and Eve instead of Adam and Eve, David and Eve. The history would be different because sometimes we just need that modeling in our lives. We need someone to come along and show us the way, how to admit I was wrong. Now, as parents, have you or did you ever admit I was wrong to your children? Did you ever say I'm sorry to your children? You know, as parents, we think we have to play God. You know, okay, I got to play God. God never asked for forgiveness and I'm not either. Listen, you're not God. You're not God. 
Now, when I think of this story of that goes all the way back to Genesis, and it's there, obviously, to set us a an example of the human nature side of us, the way that we are, that Adam and Eve hid themselves after they had sinned, after they had messed up, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. And the question we're dealing with is, why is it so hard to admit I was wrong? Now, we're talking about the subject of, again, beginning a relationship with God without church and religion, and we're talking about the subject, the subtitle here is, why has Christianity, the type of Christianity we've been practicing why is it not working to bring us closer, a more upright, a nation full of morality, God's morality? Why is this lacking? And we're coming back to the subject here. of We're asking, why is it so hard to admit, hey, I was wrong? And I think that it's easier to hide from God. The, we go back to this example of Adam and Eve hiding from God. Now, I want to tell you one of the ways that we hide. We hide behind our religion. The way people avoid admitting that they're wrong is they hide behind their religion. Now, what does that mean? That may sound like, you know, a contradiction there. How can you hide behind your religion? Well, let me explain it. It goes like this. I am unconditionally loved. And it doesn't really matter how I live my life. I know that I am unconditionally loved. This is how we hide behind our religion and avoid admitting that we're wrong. Now, let me give you an example. How do you just, how do churches justify ordaining homosexual priests into the ministry? I mean, the Bible is clear what it says about that subject of homosexuality. The Old Testament calls it an abomination. Paul addresses this issue of homosexuality. Nothing could be more clear as where God stands on the subject of homosexuality. So how do you have churches ordaining homosexual priests into the ministry? Well, the answer is very clear here. It is, I know I am unconditionally loved. And it really doesn't matter how I live my life. The standard of morality that God lays out in his law, the Bible, none of that really matters. All I know is I am unconditionally loved by God. And so this is how we hide behind our religion. This is how we avoid admitting that we're wrong by hiding behind our religion and saying, oh, I'm unconditionally loved. Now, the problem with this is this, is is that Jesus came with a specific message. And that message was about repent, get your act together, accept God's grace, and I will give you the power to change, receive my spirit, and I will give you the power to change your life. I mean, Matthew 4 and verse 17 says, from from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What's the focal point of Jesus' message? Well, the focal point is repent. What does that mean? That means admitting that you're wrong. Mark 1 and verse 15, and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Mark 6 and verse 12, and they went out. Now, here's the disciples being commissioned by Jesus, and they went out and preached that men should repent. What is the focal point of the message? The focal point of the message is, I was wrong. You know, Jesus' message was not just, you are unconditionally loved. A relation, now, now listen closely, a relationship with God 
does not start with knowing that you are unconditionally loved. Now, so many people think that it does. So many people are willing to jump into bed with God without ever admitting I was wrong. And it's no, you know, it's a, it's sort of like a, a good analogy would be our sexual promiscuous society in which we live in, where people are, you know, multiple partners, swapping partners, jumping into bed, you know, recreational sex, and you know, jumping into bed with this person, that person, and all the time thinking, oh yeah, uh, I'm unconditionally loved in this relationship. Well, it's it's not even about love. It's not even about love because no one has admitted. I was wrong. No one has admitted what we're doing is wrong. Just like the example I gave you, the homosexual priest being ordained. No one's admitted, hey, wait a minute, stop. I, we are wrong. I was wrong. And so the illusion is, you know, that you start a relationship with the thought that, okay, I'm unconditionally loved and that's all that matters. No, a relationship with God starts first with three words. I was wrong. Now, I admit that once you repent and accept Christ as your personal Savior, and you go down in the waters of baptism, and you have hands laid on you for the receiving of the Holy Spirit of God, and you, have, you now have the indwelling presence of God's Spirit, God's spiritual DNA living on the inside of you. Yes, once you do that, you can know that you are a child of God, that you are unconditionally loved by the Father. But to the issue of what comes first, what comes first is three words. I was wrong. And so again, so many people begin their relationship with the this premises, okay, I know I'm unconditionally loved and that's all that matters. So when I go back to these statistics that 84% of Americans claim believe in the divinity of Jesus, 74% confess commitment to Jesus Christ, and then I look at the statistics of these same people and these same people say you know, 68% of Americans say divorce is is morally acceptable. 60% say having a baby outside of marriage is morally acceptable. 59% say gay and lesbian sexual relationship are morally acceptable. 63% say sex between unmarried men and women is, is morally acceptable. All right, we're asking about, okay, what, what is the problem? Where's the disconnect at? Where's the disconnect to morality? Why is morality missing? Well, I'm giving you the answer right now. The answer is building your relationship on the premises that, hey, it doesn't matter how I live my life. I am unconditionally loved. You see, in a relationship with God, a true relationship with God first starts with three words, and that is admitting I was wrong. That's where the relationship starts. And until you do that, you can't, yeah, you can live under the illusion that you have a relationship with God. You can go to church six days a week, twice on Sunday. You can wear the, the holy garb. You can be a priest up there standing behind the pulpit, assuming that you are unconditionally loved. And yet there is no relationship that exists. I go back to the analogy of our sexual promiscuous uh, uh, society in, in which we live in, where people are jumping in out of bed with one another, and they think, oh, this is, this is unconditional love here. No, it's not. No one has admitted I was wrong. What we are doing is sinful. It is defined by God, by God's standard of morality, the law of God. What we are doing is called sin, and I must first admit that I was wrong. You see, admitting that we're wrong is not a one-time thing, a one-time decision. There is the continuous 
what I would call self-evaluation that we need to have. And yeah, it's painful. It hurts. There's confusion often involved as you evaluate yourself. But you know, that's a small price to pay to develop the kind, what God is after. What God is after is righteous, holy character built within mankind. And so for you to go through a little bit of pain, a little bit of suffering, uh, this continuous self-evaluation, admitting that you're wrong, in your evaluation, that's a small price to pay for what God is really after. When you believe everything you are doing is right, when you never evaluate yourself, you never second guess yourself, you never think ill of yourself, when you think the best about everything that you do and every decision that you make, you know, if that describes you, and, and I'm afraid it describes a lot of religious people, they're just going on the premises, hey, I'm unconditionally loved, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. But if that describes you, you know, here's the problem. You will miss the first resurrection. You will miss the first resurrection. And, and what I'm saying is a relationship with God does not even exist. I know you think it does, but it's, it's, it's an illusion in your mind. It's an illusion. You know, I was watching, I was looking at Facebook. There was a beautiful song. It was an orchestra, a choir. It looked like a big concert. And it, I can't think of the name of the song, but it was, it was a beautiful, I think, Christmas song. And it was beautiful. It was beautifully orchestrated. It was beautifully done and, and put together and, and beautiful voices. And as the camera would scan the audience, I mean, people were standing and they were weeping as this song was sung because it was so emotionally powerful, this, this beautiful song glorifying God. And as I watched it, you know, I thought, you know, truth of the matter is, our adoration toward God is not enough. The three words, oh God, I love you, is not enough. In fact, I'm convinced that God sometimes would say, look, if I hear those three words coming from your mouth one more time, I'm going to throw up. I'm sick of hearing of your adoration and your words. No, the three words I want to hear from you the three words God wants to hear from me, the three words God wants to hear from Americans, the three words God wants to hear from the 450,000 uh, churches that dot America's landscape and the 650,000 preachers in America, the three words God desires the most that reveals it is the starting point of a real relationship with God. And it's not just a one-time thing that you do. It is a continuous thing that you do through self-evaluation as the Spirit of God convicts you. But the three words that God desires most to hear is, I was wrong. And so you have all kinds of religious people who are so giddy about the thought of, oh man, I'm un unconditionally loved and, and that's, that's all that matters. Have you admitted that you're wrong? Have you ever admitted that you're wrong? And then again, I'm not talking about just a one-time thing that you do. It's a continuous through self-evaluation. Or on the other hand, are you still hiding from God? Hiding from God, living under this illusion that, hey, I'm unconditionally loved. Are you hiding from God behind your religion, thinking, I'm unconditionally loved, and that's all that matters. God doesn't care. God doesn't care how I live my life. God doesn't care. The, the standard of morality that is defined in the Bible by the law of God, that doesn't matter. 
All that matters is I'm unconditionally loved. And I can sing, and I can raise my hand, and I can go to church every Sunday, and I can praise Jesus, and I can, you know, I can be in the insiders group and, and just rejoice and praise God because I know I'm unconditionally loved. You know, there's a song, Just As I Am. It's a beautiful song, and it is true that you come to God just as you are. But don't ever think that you're going to stay just the way you are. Don't ever think that you're just going to continue, you know, that morality is not important. I mean, this is what the whole conversion process is about. It's about changing the man or the woman in the mirror. And it starts with three words. I was wrong. For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program. Worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service. And be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is isthatreallyinthebible.net.